Quota Rests is available wherever you find podcasts. If you can't find it on your favorite podcasting app, let me know. I'll find them and take more than my money back. You can email joe at quarterrestpodcast.com. I'm right there. If I said we had a Twitter, I'm sure you'd agree. It's at podcast rest. Instagram is quarterrestpod. There's a Patreon now. Five whales producing. Ten grand a week. Search for quarter rest. You'll find it. Oh, and one last thing. I drink your milk. Listening to the band Birds of Bellwoods, a Toronto based indie rock band. And this week I interviewed Chris Blades, the guitar player for this band. Let's listen. Like the walls we used to share. Are you holding on? Because I'm getting scared. Chris, thank you so much for joining me tonight. Thank you very much for having me, Joseph. So, Chris, you are a Halifax native, is that right? That's correct. But now you're in Toronto. What's the deal with that? Well, um, I've traveled across this land in my life. I left uh, Halifax when I was uh, 19 to go be at Bishop's University, which is how I met you. And then after I graduated, I actually got um, an opportunity to act in a thing and do the music for a a play in Toronto um, with a guest director that had been um, guest directing us in a theater production there. He was like, if I move to Toronto, would you have any ideas for me? And he said, yeah, here's his script, be in this thing. So I moved to Toronto, but as I get there, I eventually met um, Stevie Jaffe and through him, Adrian Morningstar and Kentaro Akiyama, and uh, we formed a band together. And uh, we've been kind of gradually doing that ever since. Can you just repeat the names of everyone in the band? Because those are some great names. Yes. So we have Stevie Jaffe. He's the lead singer. And he also plays mandolin. Sometimes guitar now, too. And uh, there's Adrian Morningstar, who plays guitar uh, and, and does background vocals. And Kentaro Akiyama is our bass player. He plays upright bass and also sideways electric bass <laughs> and he sings as well and we we also have a drummer Dylan Gowan who uh is from a jazz and metal background uh and is just a beastly player so we're very lucky to have him as well was he playing on that song that we listened to in the intro he wasn't actually that was from a a time when our drummer was Jack Emblem he also produced uh, the album that we made it on, and uh, he's a great drummer, great producer too. 
So now you've got a jazz and metal guy. Yeah. <laughs> well, he he plays a little jazz as well, uh, but yeah, he's uh, <laughs> he's very uh, he's like a machine, you know. Well, I was gonna say with a background like that, you know, he's gonna have chops if nothing else. He, he actually his father is uh, uh, Gowan. Um, his name's Dylan Gowan because his father is a member of the band Sticks. So, what? Uh, oh yeah, big shoes to fill, I guess. And uh, oh my, yeah. Okay, that is I did not know that. That is. That was not something that we <laughs> discussed previously. That's I awesome. I don't believe he's a founding uh, member, but he's well, uh, still he's uh, an, uh, now he's a very important member of it. Keys, keys player. Wow. All right. So it may surprise listeners who heard that in that opening song to learn that you guys were originally more of a folk band. Oh yeah, yeah. We we started out in this sort of the atmosphere of. <laughs> the um you know the early 10s sort of folk revival movement that punch brothers punch brothers was a huge influence although we could never be as good as them they're they're virtuoso i i like to say that the the folk revival movement began with the movie oh brother where art thou yeah and, i think that's that's probably fair <laughs> and ended Definitely. when uh when mumford and sons went electric <laughs> So yeah, we we <laughs> saw which way the wind was blowing, but we also, I mean, we we did kind of branch out our sounds and move more electric, but we still use a lot of like there'll be banjo in songs, there'll be mandolin in songs, and we like to kind of bring elements of that folk past that we had into the the newer stuff. And for you, was moving away from that very heavily folk oriented sound was that sort of following the trend or was that really more like you kind of got sick of of that particular sound and wanted to branch out yeah or, or some combination of the two it is sort of a combination of the two like we by that point by the time we did sort of electrify it was just what we wanted we were you know tired of just you know plinky plunky and uh and wanted to kind of make the music that we were that was more like the what we were listening to Crazy to feel like this up and down simultaneous victory and defeat one to one we'll have to wait and see and now the clouds are gathered my eyes are bright my khakis tattered and alert the surface of the reservoir is mirrored and inert the flag is hanging motionless on a pole outside the court and in the homes of people look with stairs they can avert Zombie conqueror 
into the midnight in front of us My friend, we'll have to see each other more than once Zombie conqueror We see into the midnight in front of us At 15, knew no other one in between. Half a life goes by, only a picture of the sky. And now the clouds are gathered, my eyes are bright, my khakis tattered. Through the mini mall, Amarillas on the hood. The showdown at the courthouse has been won, and all is good. Zombie conqueror. in front of us zombie conqueror we see into the midnight in front of us my friend we'll have to see each other more than once zombie conqueror we see into the midnight in front of us Let's talk about Toronto a little bit more. What's the scene like in Toronto these days? <laughs> these days? It is uh, oh, okay. hmm, non-existent. Right. Prior to uh, March of this year. Well, um, it was, uh, you know, it was going really strong. I mean, Ontario music in the last several years has been like, there's been a decline in festivals. Like all the festivals kind of went away one by one. You had Way Home disappear. You had Turf and uh, and a bunch of other ones. And But at the same time, it's because of like stupid money stuff. Like they didn't plan their money right and, and it, they all folded. Um, but at the okay. same time... So it's not like an outside influence causing this? I doubt it. Like, Festival d'été in Quebec is something that's still going, or it was yeah. before the pandemic. But that's yeah. heavily subsidized by the government, if I understand, because they want Quebecers yes, I to stay so. there. Um, but no such luck for uh, Ontario festivals. So you had a, a decline in that, but at the same time, you had more and more record labels kind of snatching up new hot bands. Um to kind of diversify what they had. Uh, so a lot of people got record deals and um, and a lot of my friends were like coming up and still are. And it's, uh, it's really fascinating. There's a wonderful community uh, mentality among a lot of Toronto musicians. Like we're always kind of bumping each other up. 
I find. There's not a lot of trash talk. <laughs> so it's a pretty supportive scene. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, it's so small, relatively, that you see a lot of people. Toronto is still a good-sized city. Oh, yeah, it's pretty big. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's the biggest one we got. So for, for anyone listening at home who is not Canadian, Toronto is a city in a country called Canada. It's actually a good-sized city. It's probably about the size of Chicago, maybe, yeah. give or take. And uh, I'm trying to think of some really famous acts that have come out of Toronto. Oh, well. And I'm kind of struggling. I mean, uh, Broken Social Scene was kind of the, that's what, when I moved here, I hadn't gotten into them much. And everyone was like, everyone thought they were the coolest thing ever. And they kind of all um, uh, branched off and did their own things like uh, Feist and um, Emily Haynes of Metric and yep. uh, Brendan Metric. Canning. Metric is from Toronto. Yes, Metric is, yes. That they 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 came out of the broken social scene uh, diaspora. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh yeah, and um, always with two V's. They're like they um, they're really cool. They're actually the lead singer is Molly Rankin, and she's out of uh, the Rankin family from Nova Scotia. I don't know if you if our listeners would know who they are, but they're, they're these treasured uh, family of of Canadian folk musicians from. Cape Breton and Nova Scotia, which is, I think, my spiritual homeland in a lot of ways. Very associated with kind of Celtic music, and there's a sort of oh, yeah. definite Cape Breton style of like fiddle playing and like a a Cape Breton folk music tradition yeah. that is like specific to that. Oh region. yeah, it's so good. Kitchen party. Oh, and we have Drake. <laughs> Drake. Yeah. And see, I was thinking of like a classic rock band, and now I've thought of the obvious one, which is Rush. Oh, yeah. Everyone's everyone's heard of Rush, and they are indeed from Toronto, or at least the Toronto area. So, good-sized city, and now that you're listing off some, I mean, there's Drake. So <laughs> what else do you need? Um, uh, the Beaches are this really hot uh, band right now. Um, they're these four women who are amazing and uh, they they started off more as like a punk band and they kind of mainstreamed a little bit, but they were they like opened for the Rolling Stones recently oh, wow. and uh, they they were doing real well before the industry went poof. Is there a style that kind of predominates in Toronto? <laughs> um, I mean, there's many, many styles. That's it's such a melting pot, I think. Uh, I don't know. It's it's hard to say because uh, there's there's like top 40 radio and then there's indie 88 radio which is a, a lot it's like the springboard for a lot of up and coming like indie rock bands and then there's everything in between so yeah it's a big melting pot i'd say there's a lot of different things going on here there's a lot of hip-hop there's a lot of indie rock there's uh you know pop music <laughs> i've been interviewing a lot of people from burlington vermont and oh, yeah. you know there's there's kind of there's sort of a similar thing going on. It also seems to be a supportive scene. It's also a bit of a relatively diverse scene, mm -hmm. given the size of the city, which is not much smaller than Toronto. Yeah. Um, or sorry, I should say it is much smaller than Toronto. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I think people associate Burlington with like jam bands like Fish. Fish. Um, oh, yeah. I went to a Fish concert. Did you? Recently? <laughs> uh, I believe it was last summer. Um, How was it? It was, it was great. I, you know, 
<laughs> Fish gets an interesting rep, and I and I was well aware of that before I went. My friend was like, "Hey, I have fish tickets. Let's go," and I uh, and I went, and it's I mean, it's it's a lot of like guitar climaxes. Like the, the oh, songs yeah. are all kind of built around that. It's like get now get to the part where he's weird, like doing the the yep. um, David Gilmore style yep. solos. Yep. But they, they were they they did this. He's one. a good guitar player, though. Oh yeah, no, he's great. He's they, got good chops. They did an acapella thing too, which is really <laughs> neat and made it. Everyone, all the hippies were like, "Oh!" So growing up there, I mean, I I've, I've seen like all the members of the band, like at just you know at stores and around. Yeah, it's such a small place. You do kind of run into the local famous people. You know, I remember seeing Bernie Sanders at the Barnes and Noble. You know, reading a newspaper wow. back before he was known by everyone in the Sensei. world. Like, <laughs> yes, yeah. Well, back this was back when you know he was just. This was before he was a senator. Yeah, right. He was just a, a mayor. Representative. Or... No, this was well after he was mayor, but he was he was uh, in in the house. Oh yeah, serving in the house. Um. And, you know, everyone in Vermont knew who he was, but he was not nationally famous. Right. So. Well, he's nationally famous now. Uh, certainly. Um, but anyway, I just bring up the whole fish thing because I was curious if there was, like, one sound that really gets associated with Toronto. But as I'm thinking about it, I can't think of any. It it seems like it's a big enough city to not be pigeonholed in that way. Yeah, you get bands coming from everywhere. Like... It, it's it, there's different Nova Scotia I found and specifically Halifax is a very interesting insular kind of community of musicians where it's a lot of kitchen party stuff but there's like a really cool like I saw a band once where there was just guitar going through a Nintendo DS and a, <laughs> and a drummer and I was that like oh this is great how can I listen to this they're like we have a tape I'm like ah <laughs> Um, that kind of thing, but it, it was so cool. Um, and with Toronto, you tend to get people coming from everywhere. The Danforth Music Hall is a really, uh, that's where like, you know, I saw like St. Vincent and, mm. um, I, I wasn't there, but King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard, they sold out three nights there. Uh, they're a band I like. Um, but, uh, yeah, you get like big acts that come through there and then, even bigger there's the the budweiser uh stage formerly the molson amphitheater was where i saw jack white so that's the kind of level of of shows that you can see as well so are there any venues that you guys have really grown an attachment to like maybe venues that you played a lot when you were coming up or venues that you just really love to play now like what are what are the cool venues hell yeah brother uh the shoe horse <laughs> no this the the horseshoe tavern i get it mixed up because there's a seahorse tavern in halifax <laughs> okay um, the the horseshoe tavern is a uh historic old venue uh in the heart of downtown toronto where the Rolling Stones have played and Neil Young and uh, just about everyone. Uh, and it's this dark and dirty little place with like way at the back is the stage and you can pack like 500 people in there and it's just a sweaty, awesome rock and roll show. So that's, we played there a lot. Is and, it a bar? Uh, yeah, it's a it's like a bar in the front and then there's a venue in the back. Um, okay. 
and uh, so it's, it's not like it's not like a bar most nights, and they do live music. Sometimes it's like it's, a, a music it, venue. It's a staple of yeah. Like there's always shows there. Cool. Yeah. Um, another one would be the uh, Lee's Palace. If featured in the movie uh, Scott Pilgrim versus the World, they play a show at Lee's Palace. That's right. That's in Toronto. Oh yeah. A lot of those places are real. Um, and uh, yeah, that's a that's another uh, sort of the same uh size and vibe as uh the horseshoe tavern um there's the mod club which is a bit bigger a bit nicer uh we played there those that's really good the first um first venue we ever played in doesn't exist anymore because it was part of honest ed's uh which is it was this massive um sort of everything store done in it's all in the style of like Ed, who's uh, who's like a, I don't know, he's like a P.T. Barnum type or like a sh- showman salesman guy. Okay. Um, and he, and it, but the the store had these massive uh, signs, like carnival style signs with blinking lights, and uh, it was a long time that they were around, but they closed down and tore it down, and uh, now they're building condos or something. So we were all sad was to that, see that go. Was that pre-COVID? Oh yeah. Yeah, that that was probably okay. a couple of years ago. So, despite COVID, I know you guys have been up to something mm-hmm. because you have a new single coming out, or it's out actually, right? It is. It's out. It's on the airwaves, and it's wherever you can find music. We um, we recorded it mostly in back in January. Although we'd been playing it for a while and kind of like road testing it on audiences. Um, But we recorded it and then (laughs) right at the end when we were about to start like producing it and mixing and mastering it, COVID happened. And so we kind of had to then do everything remotely because we weren't going into the recording studio anymore. Right. Because it was closed. Yeah. Because the whole the whole world shut down. But we we did the rest of it in in isolation, and uh, um, Howie Beck, uh, who's a, a, a wonderful producer uh, mixer, um, who we worked with on our other song Easy, he uh, mixed it for us, and uh, then it was mastered, and then now it's out. So available on Spotify, and... Apple Music, and uh, YouTube, and uh, I think uh, you know Title. Tinder, Grinder, I don't know. All it's, it's on all these. It's ever it's it's very easy to find. All right. So the song is called Pine Box and yes. let's give it a listen. All right. Slide now you're slipping away Yeah you're slipping away So all in Everybody's losing cause there's nothing to win You are not where you've been You are divided by what you could still be And then subtracted from the pieces of you That you still can't see You're chasing the same thing You buried in the backyard Of the house you grew up in A pine box of nothing 
song you ever heard Be loud if you don't know the words Just say sorry till you're blue in the face It'll make you feel the same way And full of that glorious shame And don't wait to lock the door and talk to yourself Before you know it you'll be somebody else Breaking your mirror today Start with Mr. I don't think you ever told me your name But goddamn good game You're chasing the same thing you buried in the So this tune is kind of a ballad. I think that's fair to say, right? Can you explain what a ballad is? I don't think anyone's ever really been able to (laughs) explain it to me. So a ballad is a slow song. I think that's the main sort of defining characteristic is is that it's slow Mm -hmm. and it's maybe associated with being like a little bit melancholy or a little bit sentimental. Melancholy, for sure. This one is melancholy, um, but it could also be kind of sentimental or nostalgic, um, or it can certainly be all of the above. But that's my understanding of what a ballad is. Um, so I think it would be fair to call this a ballad. It's a it's a it's a slower song. It's softer. It it's not a rockin' high energy song. But it does eventually get that way. Though. It's true. It does. Yeah. So it's maybe more of a power ballad, which <laughs> yeah. is a song that starts like a ballad but builds to a crescendo, yeah. which I think it's pretty fair to say. So can you just tell me a little bit about the song, like how it was written? Yeah, well, I mean, Stevie is 
the primary lyricist. So he penned this one and came in and was like, guys, I've, I've got something here. And he played it for us and I loved it. Uh, I think we all saw it. Uh, its potential for us all liking it right from the get-go. And then did he come in with just lyrics or, or with a melody as well? Yeah, he had lyrics and a melody. I think the the main difference between it now and then was once we got into getting the song how we like, because he brings stuff in a lot of the time and then it filters through the rest of us uh, mm. until we've got something that we all want to put our stamp on. And, um, and then, but it, oftentimes there's like only two chords. So then we have to go in and, and, and apply chord syntax to the, uh, the song and, and, and have it go to six and then the four and then the one and then the, you know, sure. Um, just make it a little more interesting, a little more music song. Although, you know, if you're the Rolling Stones, you can pull off a two chord song. Oh, hundo. If you're Motorhead, you can pull off a one chord song. <laughs> Otherwise, you better spring for at least three. Yeah. <laughs> and hey, if you can do four or five, you're uh, you're getting into rush territory. So. Yeah. And you can do a no no chord song if you're. That's true. If you're uh, John John Cage, is that who it is? <laughs> a no music song. Yeah. A no sound song. Ooh. If you're or if, if you're, you're John Cage. Tang. It's called. <laughs> I've never actually seen that movie. Oh, it's it's something else. So is this so? This is a, a collaborative process then. The oh yeah, fleshing out the songs, filtering them, and yeah. building them up. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's very much it 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 goes through the group, and then and then sometimes we'll play it in front of people and see what we think, and then uh, and then reassess and change things, uh, but. Now that it's out like this, I think this is its final form. Unless we want to add a, you know, a solo section that lasts five minutes or something. If it happens to be at the end of the show, sure, you can always extend it. But yeah, yeah. I think once once it's out on the record, you're more or less stuck with yeah the song as it is. Yeah. Let's talk about live shows. What do you guys try to bring to your songs when you're performing live? Well, uh, hopefully uh, effortless looking talent uh, and <laughs> being on the beat. Uh, and um, well, we'd like to replicate how the song sounds um, eh, on the, the recorded version uh, as much as possible. And you can't always be playing keyboard or bells or whatever we, we call ear candy while you're playing guitar and jumping around so we have like little synth triggers that our drummer activates for those things that just kind of help beef it up um but yeah we'd like to be able to play the song the way you know it hopefully um if you do know it okay so that's one approach and i know some bands like to totally reinvent songs right uh when they play them live do you ever do that at all well i mean i mean we might talk about this because uh we did that for one of our songs, the one we listened to at the beginning, Let You Go. Uh, we made a sort of slow, soft, acoustic version of it um, that, uh, you know, sometimes we'll take a song and completely uh, uh, flip it around. Um, reimagine it. Reimagine it, yeah. And uh, 
But most of the time we try and play it to the thing. Like we're we're not huge improvisers. We like to kind of have everything locked and 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 right in its lane. So there's mm. not too we don't we don't do <laughs> five minute guitar solos like I said earlier. <laughs> usually, I think that's perfectly respectable, and I think that's an equally valid approach. It's sort of a curated kind of show. Well, let's give a listen to that then. So let's listen to the acoustic version of Let You Go. And fear not, listener, this sounds different enough that I think you're not going to regret hearing the song twice.
I'm guessing you guys sat down and rearranged this song? Yes. in Actually, in a few phases. Um, mm. Because, so that version that you heard was the one that we played. Um, we just did this before COVID happened. We went on tour uh, for two, four months. Gosh, it seems like so long ago. Um, three months with uh, the the Olympic figure skaters, um, Scott Moyer and Tessa Virtue, uh, and all their friends, Patrick Chan, Elvis Stoiko. You might, I don't know if Americans will know him, but he's basically our Wayne Gretzky of figure skating. And uh, and Jeremy Abbott is an, uh, the American that was with us. And so we were opening for them, um, but uh, then we would come out later on the ice and be all rigged up and play this acoustic version of it as they actually skated around us. Uh, Jeremy Abbott, I think it was him, only him, but he might have had help, uh, choreographed an amazing uh, ice dancing thing uh, to the, that, to, um, that was like, a, it was based on the song's lyrics, which was really cool. Uh, that is really cool. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. And <laughs> so the thing about that is, so we had that version, but then when we get on the tour, things are moving so fast and they're like, hey, can you add like a three minute intro? Well, because <laughs> they're going to have to be setting up. And while you're at it, can you add like a three minute outro? We need it by tomorrow. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> then we had to expand on that <laughs> song to make it into this 10 minute long thing. Um, but yeah, that, I think the version you heard was the one without the super long intro and outro. No, the version we, we just listened to is, was reasonably lengthed. <laughs> didn't, didn't sound like fish at all. Oh no. <laughs> Sounded like you guys, but more ballad like. Yeah. Yeah. And, and this rock. Yeah. So like we have the rock version of it, but for that one, we kind of wanted to, you know, take it back to our roots and, mm. uh, and play it like with the, the, OG instruments, except without banjo. I played electric guitar on that one. Yeah. It sounds more like a folk rock, more so than folk revival. Oh, yeah, for sure. Is this uh, one of your favorite songs to play? Um, I think the the rock version is one of my favorite songs to play just because it's a lot of fun. Uh, it's It feels like you're in a punk band <laughs> sometimes uh the yeah, acoustic one it's a little more nerve-wracking because you gotta nail it and and just get it right because everyone can hear exactly what you're doing because there's no drums but when we do get a chance that one <laughs> we had to really practice it to get it right because if you're out there and you screw up on the ice then uh you know doesn't it's not a good look the ice will crack open and you fall <laughs> yeah. into the depths below. Yeah. Speaking of the depths, you. the depths mm. of despair and darkness, let's uh, let's talk about COVID nineteen a little bit. We keep kind of sure. dancing around that topic, and I feel like let's let's talk about it. Yeah. So, I started doing this podcast partially because of COVID nineteen. Like I basically. Uh, you know, had more time on my hands for a little while there. Well, sort of. That's yeah. debatable. And in reality, I because my kids were home, uh, I probably had less time. But, you know, I was home more, right? Mm -hmm. Seeing people less, feeling a little more isolated. And so this, you know, has partially been a way of like building community and, and reaching out to musicians, people I know, people I don't know. 
Um, so that's my little self-indulgent ramble. Yeah, I but... love what you're doing. I think this is this is wonderful. It's inspiring to me. Thank you so much. That's really cool. And I, I'm I, I'm I'm glad that the people who are listening are, and I hope more will come along. I think yeah. I think I think we will. But <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, it's kind of been like a big thing in people's lives, and it's sort of definitely been something I've been addressing in like every single one of these interviews because let's face it, uh, musicians have been affected in a big way by oh, this yeah. pandemic. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about. Chris Blade's COVID story. Oh well, it's uh, it's it's a wild ride. I mean, it, <laughs> in that I sat in my house a lot. Um, so my girlfriend. Who knew sitting in your house could be so stressful? <laughs> well, it certainly makes you uh, uh, not be able to hide from all of the things in your life that are um, that maybe need to be changed or updated. But very uh, true. Yeah, I I was so lucky comparatively because my girlfriend, uh, she lives in New York, and she happened to be visiting me just when the borders shut down. We were kind of joking like, "Hey, it would be fun if we got you know had to be quarantined together. That'd be better than not." And uh, and then it happened. And then it happened. And so she's been living with me for four months here now. And yeah, I mean, to give you one example, this closet, <laughs> this room I'm in, uh, I mean, view- listeners can't see, but, you know, it's a it's a room. Uh, this was just all uh, b- bags of stuff. And so I cleaned that out. Um, well, we did it together. Um but uh, I've also been gardening a lot. Um, and uh, for a while, I was kind of like a house husband vibe because she was still working remotely. And, um, and you know, <laughs> I would be like making her meals and, and stuff and, and then going out and working in the yard. Um, but I, we're, we've been like, I, I, the way I say it, I, I'm building myself a gilded cage. Uh <laughs> <laughs> by well sort of a, with a hanging gardens of babylon kind of vibe <laughs> outside um because i want because uh, if we have to spend all our time here um then it you want to have well the most be. beautiful prison you can exactly yeah so um but it, and most of the, it's done now we've got all the plants planted and we have beautiful sunflowers out front that are growing but uh but when it comes to music I, um, it was also a bit of a, a wake up call for me because I had the studio before that. And I had this wonderful team that I could collaborate with on music every day. And, um, suddenly that is gone. And so it's like, oh, well now I have to buy a microphone and now I have to get a, uh, you know, a a computer that can handle logic and get an interface and get all these cables. And like, because if I can't do it myself, then what am I doing? So that was a big screwed. Yeah. That was a a huge thing for me. Um, it's, it's how I'm able to record this now. Um, but I was like, I have to be able to record from home. So I've been, uh, I've been turtling in, in that regard. What studio did you have access to before? So we would share, it, it's a nameless, a godless nameless place. It's not a real, <laughs> we've recorded at uh, Canterbury Studios uh, in Toronto and um, 
Oh, what's it called? Noble Street Studios. They're really nice. This is just one that we share with a few other bands, but it's great because okay. there's a basement, and so we can record from the upstairs while we're playing uh, downstairs. Um, and uh, yeah, it's it's a little bit tight corners, but it gets the job done, and it makes me exercise because I had to bike there. Uh, you know, it's like a forty minute ride there and back. And now you're doing the bedroom studio thing. Yeah, well, um, we've actually recently, uh, things have started to open up back in Toronto uh, now, although uh, mostly around Toronto. Mm-hmm. Um, they, I think, announced phase three starting on Friday for a lot yep. of the a lot of the province, but uh, not for us. But okay, Toronto's still doing it staggered. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, but since things have opened up a little bit we've been able to get back in there a bit more and play music and and record demos um because we have to make an album we're make we're we are making an album and uh and some really good work got done when we came back for the first time which was only a couple of weeks ago um but it was like i i got the feeling that everyone was really uh you know, they'd been building up a lot of energy <laughs> in their solitude, and it it came out in a really beautiful, uh, productive way. So, yeah. All that pent-up musical creativity and all that, like, built-up irritation with the situation <laughs> just kind of yeah caught fire and, and yeah made some made some good things happen yeah it was like the the floodgates were released like we had an outlet finally so that was nice um tell me about the album the the, the album is gosh i mean i think it probably would have been recorded by now had covid not happened so mm-hmm. it's still kind of in its in its early stages, um, we have like 50 songs to choose from. We've been writing a lot since our last album came out. Um, but, a lo- you know, a lot of them, they, they still have to go through kind of revisions to get them to where we want. So there's a lot to choose from. And it's it's been about like getting in there with a plan to just, okay, we're going to do four, five songs this week and just really like play them together and nail them down and kind of figure out what's meat and what's fat uh Mm. and um yeah it's uh so i would say it's it's still kind of it it we need to where the plan is to focus in on on the best stuff that we have and uh but a lot of them have connecting sort of vibes with each other uh so sometimes you craft a, a whole album that has you know one kind of narrative thread mm-hmm. and other times you can kind of stitch it together because the yeah. songs have a close enough vibe with each other um and i think it the album's going to be something like that but we also i don't know if i can i can't say who his name is but we we signed up to work with a, a pretty cool producer that, um, and he, he was telling us, uh, well, 
Um, well, he, he was saying that, you know, uh, in a lot of the bands he's worked with, the song that becomes the single is the last one that you record. It's like you get to the very end of the process and then the one has just been there the whole time and it flows out. Uh, and I believe that. And so we're interested to see that. But maybe the song, maybe the one is already one that we, uh, that we think it will be. So we'll see. So what would the one be? That would be the one that, that sort of breaks onto radio or the one that kind of rises above the rest in terms of popularity? Yeah, well, when, I mean, we're, we're signed to a record label. We're with Entertainment One. And a lot of times since that started, I mean, it's, it's often about like, what's your, what are your three singles going to be for the album? Like, because... It's going to be on on Spotify and everything, but like it's still if it can go to pop radio or indie radio, even then, like that's that's huge. That gets a lot of play, of course. Um, so yeah, that brings in new listeners, right? And so you want to have like, I mean, you can have an album that's all singles, <laughs> but you want to have like three or four that you're like, yeah, these are these rock, and um forget where i was going with that but no i think that's that pretty much sums it up yeah have you gotten radio play on that indie station you were talking about earlier yeah so when we released let you go they played it basically all summer uh which was great um that's awesome oh yeah and uh yeah we're we're we love indie 88 they're they're the coolest um Obviously, they're hurting right now, like everyone else. Um, of course. But, uh, yeah, um, they played that one a lot. Um, sometimes you'll release a song, though, and it's like... We learned that um, radio is interesting because it's like... If, nobody, if, if somebody doesn't start playing it, then nobody will. Uh, mm. they, like, they don't like to be the first one to do something, <laughs> to release a song or to add it to their playlist. So that can be tricky sometimes. We were uh, lucky enough that that didn't happen with "Let You Go," um, but uh, yeah, that that that's a that's a thing. So did you, you got in with Indie eighty eight? Did did any other stations play it at all? Yeah, yeah. CBC actually plays us a bunch. That's for Americans. That's the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation. Um, I I used to listen to CBC more, and if I were still listening to them, I would probably know that. Oh yeah. Um, but but now that uh, you know, it's funny. Now that I have a car with Bluetooth, <laughs> it's like I can just listen to podcasts or I can listen to my music. And I'm oh, such yeah. a like anal retentive guy that you know I want to listen to what I want to listen to when I want to listen to it. Yeah. But uh, and and my wife used to listen to CBC radio all the time. So do you get played by like? Uh, Rich Turfry and and, uh, and yeah, those guys. Yeah, are... we've been on Drive before. Um, I'm I'm never listening to it when I hear it. It'll someone will be and they'll they'll <laughs> they'll tell me, oh, you're on CBC. It's like, oh, that's cool. Um, yeah, they've been very kind of consistently good to us. So, that's great. Yeah, big fans of the CBC. It's it, yeah. I normally do like to have kind of a curated soundtrack of my day. Um, 
I've always been like that. Like, even when I was a kid, I've never been particularly fond of radio. I appreciate what radio is. And frankly, if there were, if there were better radio stations where I live, I would probably listen to the radio all the time. Like if there were something like Indy 88, that sounds really cool. Yeah. Or like a good college or university radio station. But I just, it's, it's all like, it's a lot of butt rock. A lot of butt rock, you know, you got your classic rock station, which plays like Led Zeppelin, you know, 10 times a day. And hey, you know, nothing against that kind of (laughs) stuff. Although, frankly, a lot of the stuff that the local classic rock station plays, I just can't even stomach. Like they play a lot of, yeah, butt rock. And then there's CBC, which I really like. I think CBC has a lot of great content. Yeah. Um, I'm just so picky that I tend to want to listen to my own stuff. CBC 2, I will say, is good for, like, discovering new classical music. I'm a big classical music fan. As am I. And I find, like, I have the stuff that I learned about in university and the stuff I knew before that. And then sometimes it's it's harder to, because there's such a wealth of it, that it's hard to know what to focus in on. And CBC 2, they play a lot of classical music. So I, I recommend that if you're into that. CBC Radio 2 is great. And they, 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 they do jazz. They do a lot of stuff. So I'm not knocking them at all. They're, they're great. And I'm glad they're playing you. That's fantastic. So that's really cool. Um, it seems like there is a pretty decent like ecosystem for promoting Canadian music in Canada. Do you want to talk about that at all? Yeah. The well, kind of CanCon, Canadian content <laughs> Canadiana. Thing. Yeah. It's, well, I mean, there's actually a law here um, where you... You know, the stations have to play a certain amount of Canadian content. Uh, so there's there's a, a big demand for that. Um, they legally have to do that because mm-hmm. otherwise it, we, they, they figure that it would just get lost in the noise coming from America. Right. So um, that's, that's pretty cool. There's also a lot of grants uh, and things you can apply for here um Mm -hmm. because they really like they want they want a lot of uh canadian artists it's it's hard to be one because in canada the distances between things are so far you can't it's not like in america where you oh we're gonna hit chicago detroit cleveland Mm -hmm. boston and you know just it takes like two hours to drive from one to the other like or if you're doing a smaller show you do like you know rochester and plattsburgh and you know you like there are parts of the u.s where you can do a full tour yeah and you only cross like five or six states yeah whereas it's Canada's not like that no it's like okay toronto drive five hours to london drive 20 hours across the prairies <laughs> to the west. No, but look, right. we usually, we played out west and we fly out there and then drive around. Um, but yeah, it's it's difficult. There's not, there's not as many markets as there are in the U.S. So I, I guess the government decided that uh, they needed to help with that. And I'm very happy that they did. Yeah, me too. And I think it's, it is important to allow Canadian music basically to have a, a fair shot at existing. Yeah. So, uh, and as you say, it's, I mean, the way, the way the population is distributed across the country, it's, I think I said this in another interview, it's, the country is very wide, Yeah. but, but not very tall. I mean, right. it is very tall, but, but in terms everyone's of where on people the border, live, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Basically living in a thin strip along the border with the U S. Yeah. 
Um, and a few of the cities are kind of far north, but not that far. Yeah. Um, have you toured in the U.S.? Um, so we we have played in the U.S. Um, we played. We went down to New York to play three shows in Brooklyn and Manhattan, which was pretty freaking cool. But because yeah, we we, we couldn't make any money on that because you really need mm. to have like a tour lined up, otherwise. Uh, the taxes um, that it costs and, and the visas that you have to buy are just insane. Right. Like, it's not worth it. But if you go down there and and play for free, then there's no problem, except when they stop you at the border and be like, why did you play shows in America? Do you owe <laughs> us money? <laughs> so if you play a show there, you have to pay taxes when you return? It, I, I mis- may have misspoke. You have to have visas if you're going to be okay. making money down there right and yeah. you have to pay how expensive is that oh gosh i haven't even looked into it it's it's so much that with the money we'd be making from those shows it just wouldn't be worth it at all yeah, um it's, it's quite a cash grab yeah we had been in talks to go and and hit a bunch of cities um in the northwest or sorry the northeast um before COVID happened. Uh, so now that's obviously off the table. Um, but uh, yeah, we, we, but in I... that situation, we probably would have to just, again, do it all for free. But sometimes it's worth it to do that because, and it was in our case when we were in New York because it was a good look and we got to meet some important people. So you, so for, for you guys, it was more of an exposure thing? Oh, yeah. And also just, it's rock and roll, man. You go and play in a show in the Soho house in Manhattan like it was. was Oh, yeah. I mean, I think playing a, a show in New York is probably its own reward. Oh, yeah. I woke up, but I could fall back to sleep if I just closed my eyes. Don't need lullabies. I choke up when I think of what I must say to you tonight. The time will never seem right. Made a deal back then. On which all of our little plans depend. You know it won't be so bad in the end When we have nothing left inside sound like it did in my mind but I feel time slipping by and my crutches start to bend just when I thought that I was on the mend you know it won't be so bad in the have nothing left inside
up now Dry your tears Don't hold on to your fears That you'll see me in three years In the arms of the next in line I listened to the a bit of the Andriana Chabot um, Or, sorry, Andriana Is that how you're saying? Um, Andriana Andriana uh, Yeah, she's wonderful I've always... Uh, I've always been a huge fan of her, so it was really cool to get to listen to that. Yeah, and uh, that's why I had her on. Yeah. Because <laughs> she's great. She's really talented. And and can I just say, um, Cricket Blue, I listened to that. They That put the fear of God in me, honestly, when I was thinking about <laughs> being on this thing, because they are so talented. My goodness. Just such, like, creative use of, of, of melody and, cor- like... I was blown away by them. I've been listening to them ever since. Well, Vermont is also... So I I know Laura uh, from Cricket Blue from high school. Oh, yeah. And I had never met Taylor. He's the other half of the duo. Yeah. But I have to say, my high school uh, was another like hotbed of musical talent. There were really a lot of good people and not just my high school, some of the surrounding schools, like Vermont in general, at least when I was there growing up, there were, there was a lot of great music happening and it's like certain places just sort of become like magnets for good musicians or, or just like breeding grounds for good music. And I have to say, I've, I've been lucky enough to find myself in a couple of, of, you know, hot spots. Maybe maybe let's not use that term. That ha- that term has a negative uh, yeah, connotation these days. It sounds like, oh gosh. <laughs> get away, get away. Six feet. Yeah. Some of the places you have to wear a mask to keep the musical talent <laughs> out of your lungs. Don't touch and the I'm, musical talent. And I'm very, uh, very privileged to say that. Yeah. Chris... Could you play for me? Absolutely. And not just me, the audience. I'd love to see, I'd love to know If I am ever gonna wanna go I'd pay the fee for borrowed time I wonder if the choice was ever mine Wallowing all alone can be such a drag Swallowing myself whole I don't mean to brag But every single love I had is gone And so is this So maybe one more Maybe one more Lights are hung, penumbras deepen with the setting sun. I close my eyes, the shadows come. I wouldn't wish this fate on anyone. But if I flee, if I go, if I run all night, will I bleed? Will my bones atrophy? They might. Everything I have could soon be gone And so could this So maybe one more Maybe one more 
taking my own bad advice I wonder when my body's gonna fade to black and white What influences do you think sort of inspired that song? The other day, Adrian uh, and I were hanging out and I said something like, should I have another beer? Yeah, maybe one more. And he's like, "That's that, that could be a song. Why don't you use that as a jumping off point? Or we'll do it together. And, and then I sat down with it and got carried away and I kind of turned it into that sort of, I mean... Maybe you can't hear it in this version, but like I was going for sort of like a heroin music kind of, you know, like that kind of <laughs> uh, uh, smoky room. Uh, sure. Should I stay or should I go? If I or like the needle stay. and the damage done by by uh, Neil Young. Yeah, yeah. I was. I think I was. Uh, I think I was channeling a bit of uh, like King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizards, um, quieter music. And maybe Mac DeMarco a little bit thrown in, um, so you you get that with the uh, the. Anyway, um, I like that chord. That was nice. Little yeah. crunch. And I actually this is interesting. This this tuning is uh, is dadgad. It's uh, uh, it's. You what... might want to explain so... to our to <laughs> yeah. our audience what um, dadgad is. So dadgad is a tuning of a guitar you take the e string the the big low e string the big fat boy and you tune that down to a d you take the the high e you tune that down to a d and you take the b and turn it down to an a so you get d a d g a d and it's what or dadgad or dadgad and it's what uh led zeppelin uh did some kind of eastern sounding uh yeah songs that's the uh you know the oh, there's that sounds kind of like mystical yeah. a little bit but i was just messing around with that and uh if you take kind of almost regular chord hand positions and transfer them onto dadgad, you get some really interesting stuff. So that was fun to discover. As a guitar player, I have found that it's really fun to retune the guitar, sometimes even to a, a tuning you're not, you've never used before, oh, yeah. and just play around sort of assume the normal hand shapes and like move them around and see what happens. Yeah. And something and and dadgad is a really good one um because it's close to a normal tuning but it's like the there are little surprises hidden yeah. in there. So I've I've certainly found that dadgad's a fun one to play around with, so. Oh yeah, it's a good one. I also like uh I think it's called double drop D where it's it's like dadgad except you still get the B up there. Mm. A lot of um Oh, never tried that one. Oh yeah, it's fun. Um Dirty Projectors is a band that I really like, and they use that one uh, sometimes for to cool effect. Yeah, this is like fo folk guitar players play around with a lot of these alternate 
oh tunings. yeah and, um, and then it was sort of brought into rock music by like people like jimmy page yeah speaking of which is jimmy page an influence for you I, I was a huge uh, Led Zeppelin fan when I was a teenager, and I mean, they're, they're still undeniably, like, one of the greatest rock bands ever, I think. They're just so, you know, it's it's like, it's just, the it's like alive because of that whole loose but tight thing. It's like, yeah. it, it breathes and it, it feels organic as, w- as well as being, like, you know, technically really good. Uh, and it just rocks, man. Uh, yeah, Jimmy Page, probably a big influence. It's hard to track your influences because I've been into a lot of different bands. I, I'm a big Radiohead fan as well. So, yeah, draw from that. Johnny Greenwood? Oh, yeah. He's, uh, he's, he's a cool dude. He is. Did one of my favorite... Uh... Soundtrack, film soundtracks. Yeah, yeah you know which <laughs> was, one I'm talking about. I was about. wondering if you're going to bring that up. Yeah, of I course lo- I, I can't. Love that. I can't talk about Johnny Greenwood and not bring up the fantastic soundtrack to "There Will Be Blood." Give me the blood, a... Eli. Give me the blood. <laughs> we I want the quote, blood. <laughs> we could make an entire episode just quoting that movie. Give me the blood, Eli. I love, I love um, that delivery in that that line that you're quoting there. I love uh, that Don't scene. Is fantastic. Those things. one of the most quotable movies maybe of all time and also just a great movie in general oh yeah but uh but the soundtrack done by johnny greenwood of radiohead is really cool really interesting um there's almost no guitars (laughs) are there any guitars at all i don't think there are i think it's just Mm, yeah i think it's all strings and percussion and and electronic stuff as well like that ticking in that the scene where the the well explodes. Yeah, yeah, the well exploding scene. Yeah, you're right. There's some electronic stuff, but it's mostly percussion yeah. and strings. Yeah, and there's a bit of piano. Dissonant, dissonant strings. Really dissonant strings. Really avant-garde. It's like a, almost like a techniques. horror movie. Yeah. Yeah, it sounds like. Well, I mean, in it some ways, is, it, yeah, it kind of arguably is a horror movie. But the the music is so cool, very evocative. Yeah. And uh, I'm not the world's biggest Radiohead fan, but man, oh man, <laughs> I have to respect them because anyone who can write a soundtrack like that is good. And to be clear, Radiohead is an undeniably good band. <laughs> I just yeah. have a chip on my, not a chip on my shoulder, but um, I, there, are real, there, there are several songs of theirs that I quite like. I love uh, Karma Police. Oh, yeah. I think that's a great one. I really like Paranoid Android. Um, but I just, for me, the band as a whole is a little bit overrated. Yeah, you're tuning your guitar, and I'm scared you're about to play a Radiohead song. <laughs> it's it's an it's a all bluegrass, all creep covers session now. <laughs> well, I was gonna say this would not be a first for this podcast. We do yeah. have a very entertaining uh, banjo cover of Creep. Yeah. So as long as you don't play that, I'm very cool with you doing a Radiohead tune if you want. Oh, that's not right. Yeah, there it is. Yeah, that's Karma Police. You can edit that out. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to leave it in. This is what you get. 
is what you get. Yeah. Do you want to try doing the song? Do you <laughs> um, know it? Yeah, I think I think I do. Yeah. Um. Buzzes like a fridge, he's like a detuned radio head. Karma police arrest this girl, her Hitler hairdo is making me feel ill, but we have crashed her party. This is what you get. This is what you get. This is what you get when you mess with us. Karma police. I've given all I can, it's not enough. I've given all I can, but we're still on the payroll. This is what you get. This is what you get. This is what you get when you mess with us. Okay, this is the part I'm not sure of. For a minute there, I lost myself. I lost myself. Few for a minute there, I lost myself. I lost myself. I woke up, but I could fall back to sleep if I just closed my eyes. Don't need lullabies. I choke up when I think of what I must say to you tonight. The time will never seem right. Made a deal back then, on which all of our little plans depend. You know it won't be so bad in the end When we have nothing left inside Ooh. 
Politician doesn't do it for me anymore when I'm stuck and way down on my luck. And the song that I owe to you doesn't sound like it did in my mind. But I feel time slipping by And my crutches start to bend Just when I thought that I was on the mend You know it won't be so bad in the end When we have nothing left inside Cheer up now, dry your tears Don't hold on to your fears That you'll see me in three years In the arms of the next in line So Chris, thank you so much for joining us. This has been great. Thank you so much, Joe. This was really, really super duper fun. Yeah, I had a lot of fun uh, hearing you play. Your guitar playing is fantastic thank you so much the last time you and i saw each other frequently you were kind of more starting to learn guitar and you were you were getting you were getting there but your your playing is really uh matured and uh sounds really good thank you so much that's when you're able to play difficult parts and sing them at the same time that's not nothing yeah i mean <laughs> that's what i have to do most of the time so i uh you know practice hard to lock that kind of thing in and just kind of disassociate my head from my hands practice makes perfect yep so chris blades everybody uh vocalist and guitar player for birds of bellwoods based in toronto when covid19 stuff calms down try and see these guys live i have not had the pleasure but i will certainly i i hope there will be another tour coming sometime in the next several years or decade or whatever and i hope you guys come by where i am and uh check them out on spotify apple music and everywhere else that you would happen to listen to music uh which are also places that you can listen to quarter rest (laughs) so once more thank you so much chris this has been a blast thank you my pleasure thank you so much and that's our show for the week what a rager what an absolute banger that one was Big thank you to Chris Blades for appearing on the show. And a big thank you to Birds of Bellwoods for allowing us to put the music on here. We're listening to it right now. This one was edited by me. My producers are the Dodgeful artists themselves, Alex McNeil and Graham Bell. Good night, America. And Canada, you have yourself a wonderful day.
is filled with thoughts of you.